when you really love something, when you really want something, any challenge is a sweet challenge, you know? So there's nothing going to stop you, Andy. I wanted to play on this stage, on this high stage for NBA and be part of the family, be part of the journey, you know, the journey. I wanted so much that what could stop me? Right. So challenge, yes, bring it on. Like, you know, you think that easy? Like to make the 450 players in the world? Absolutely not. But I was there. So I was definitely was not going to let it go. And I was going to do anything to stay here as much as possible. I'm so fortunate that I played in this league for 16 years, over a thousand games. And I'm still part of it, not only court, but off the court. But right now, I'm still part of this family, amazing family, surrounded with amazing people. And Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest today is a Georgian professional basketball executive and a former player who is a basketball operations consultant for the Golden State Warriors of the National Basketball Association, or the NBA, as you're more likely to know it. He's won two NBA championships with the Warriors in 2017 and 2018. He played for the Georgian national team, captaining them in multiple tournaments and played over a thousand games in the NBA, about three times the average. So quite a track record. And as I've always found out on the Connected Leadership podcast, there is so much to learn from people who have excelled in the sports field that we can apply in business. But today we have someone who's not just excelled in on the sports field, but is now on the commercial side of the game and has taken a lot of steps to equip himself to be there as well. So can really talk from both sides of the fence. So Zaza Pachulia, thank you very much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me, Eddie. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, well let's start by looking at that career you had in the NBA, you know, to not just play in the NBA, to have such a long and successful playing career and cap it off with with two NBA championships would already mark you out as someone who achieves way beyond the odds. But you factor into that as well, that you don't come from a traditional basketball playing nation. You came to the US from Georgia via Turkey. And that marks you out, I guess, as even more of an outsider in that American system. What would you say are the key factors in helping you beat the enormous competition for those places and succeed in such an arena? That's a very interesting question, Andy, because, you know, believe it or not, a lot of parents actually ask me the same question exactly because, (laughs) like, they want to kind of hear from me and they want to make sure that all the kids actually do all the necessary things. But And this is probably the most complex, uh, you, you know, the routine and the process is what it takes, right? So what did I do? You know, so special that, as you say, like small country like Georgia, only 3.5 million people. As in, I was the third NBA player from the small nation and, uh, you know, played so many years and so many games, right? And uh, you know, the answer is pretty complex as well. And there was, you know, combination of different things, but Probably the most important thing is love of the game and, and having the desire and passion and really wanting to uh, the place and you know, a bigger stage of you know in our profession in, in basketball. It's called NBA, right? So since I was born, 
I remember I grew up in an athlete's family. My mom was a basketball player. My dad was a wrestler. And basketball sports overall was pretty popular in our family. I grew up, you know, watching a lot of sports. But basketball obviously kind of put my heart. And I got very into it. And, you know, so I, since I started playing basketball, I always dreamed to play in NBA, play with these, you know, superstars. And, and, and obviously it was not an easy road. It took a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, hard work, a lot of pain, a lot of sweat, a lot of, you know, competition and you know understanding the growth was important right but when you do all the right things to be honest Andy I think in anybody's life when you do the right things when you really really want something they do everything for you, you give a hundred percent you leave every single moment you know thinking about to achieve the goal then you get lucky as well you know so I think my story is not as different as you know a lot of people's stories and but looking back it just makes me happy and you know, it makes me happy to happen, you know, because I learned so, you know, saw so many things. I learned so many things and I experienced so many things that way just made me a better person. And obviously the journey continues. You talk about the, the love of it and the passion for it and how much you care and believe. Last week's guest, Annette Marion, who's a very successful producer in the US, she produced the latest film about Michael J. Fox. She talked about caring and caring deeply. And it's interesting, I think, whatever field we're in, that passion for what you're doing, that belief in what you're doing, is that the one thing that makes you stand out? Because surely when you reach a certain level within the sport, and I'm talking about the level where you are elite potential rather than actually at the elite. Difference in talent is probably marginal between individuals. Is it something else that makes people stand out, the belief, the care, the hours invested in it, that makes one person's talent shine above someone else's? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you heard when, you know, <clears throat> we're getting a talent together, uh, you know, so many amazing yeah. things happen. I've seen the guys, to be honest, that is amazing talent, but like there's no work ethic and <laughs> you're still going to get a chance, but probably the career going to be short shorter than you want or you expect or anybody expects. And also, I've seen the guys who, not as talented, but, you know, really, really wants it, caring, as you said, having passion and then loving this game. And you know what? They're going to stick around, and, you know, but as far as they stay healthy, they're going to stick around. And I think I belong to the kind of third in the category where, you know, I knew what I had to do, like to be the hardest, hardest worker guy out there because talent-wise, yeah, of course I was talented. I mean, it's not that I didn't have talent, but, you know, as of today, you know, you'll see so many amazing players, right, where they jump and they run. And I was never been at the highest, you know, jumper or, you know, the fastest guy out there or strongest guy. But like I can say, like, I committed to myself, like I committed to this game, I commit, committed to my career that I was ready to sacrifice. And when I see what I'm talking about sacrificing, and I don't feel bad about it. Honestly, if you run it back, I want to do the same thing. But, you know, saying no to, you know, hang out with friends, saying no to traveling, saying no to, you know, sometimes family, you know, believe it or not, you know, so many times actually I would go to bed and sleeping, I mean, to thinking about it, say, is that because, you know, our culture is kind of different. Like, you know, when it comes to hospitality, something we take in you know, a huge pride. And you would see one of your cousins or, you know, even your, my mom would come and say, I would not necessarily take her out, you know, to see around the city, especially when you're moving from one place to another. I, you know, you try to explore, right? So get to know the city, the culture and etc. So I would not necessarily have time to show her around. And I would say like, oh, living right way, like it's so weird. And, you know, like 
it's such against our culture and, and traditions not to you know, host the guests, and even though it's a family member, right? So, but I would say, no, actually, this is right because I need to be rested. I need to be ready for next day because whatever I'm doing is not easy. It's so much only I made the top 450 players in the world. That's only that's only in, you know amount of NBA players out there, right? So <clears throat> to perform and all the coaches expecting you to perform the highest level, I need to be ready. I need to be rested. I need to be in good shape. I need to my mind to be clear. I don't need to worry about anything else than just go out there and perform and work hard. Did your friends and family understand? Did they support you in those sacrifices? Did you have any challenges where you really had to fight to make the sacrifice or fight to explain exactly why so that people didn't take offense? Great question. In the beginning, no. And I was really worried because like I'm only child and I grew up in an environment where I had friends and I had a lot of friends and not to be on the same page with people you grew up with, right? For them not to understand you, that was really bothering me. It was really painful. And in the beginning, especially I didn't have as much experience. I didn't have but people around me who would tell me, you know what, you should care less because you're doing something you love and you know, whoever with you, it is with you. I saw like, you know, just keep doing what you believe in, keep doing what you love the most. And, you know, people are going to support you and people are going to understand you. They're going to keep continue to support it, right? And that's the people you want to continue your journey with, you know? So, but in the beginning, it was hard for me to live the life and have that kind of mentality because I didn't want to lose one single person, but I had no other option, Andy, to be honest. And because, like I say, this is world for me. This is my life. Basketball gave me so much and selfishly, I just enjoy every single second of the journey so unfortunately in the beginning like i said there was a lot of ups and downs when it comes to relationships but towards the end i think people first of all who was around me they were okay me not having time as much time you know, for them even for the text or the phone calls like i honestly it's not only about like physical relationship or you know gatherings right it's even like you talking on the phone because like my life <laughs> to be honest was like a clock i always say you know what the clock does it, it starts at 12 o'clock and you know goes around and start does the same thing and then every 12 hours but that's how i was living my life with getting up in the morning having breakfast rushing you know go to the practice be there for hours come back you know at home have lunch take a nap and then like you know it end of the night like maybe i had two three hour window where i had kind of free time and during the free time i didn't want to go out because next day i had to go through again the, the, the tough practice right mostly mainly i would stay at home and or maybe go to the dinner quick dinner and then go back because you know it was not a conflict from the team but like i had my own discipline right i mean without discipline self-discipline it's just impossible especially when you are grown up i mean nobody's gonna babysit you right so you have to be responsible for your behaviors for your actions and so i had my self-discipline so i had to be at home by 9 10 p.m latest that way i think i like to say next morning i had to wake up early so yeah that was uh there was a process. Were you, were you the same in the off season or did you let your hair down a little bit? Oh, listen, like, of course, I'm not an angel. <laughs> I'm not an angel, man. <laughs> off season, there's a reason why it's called off season, right? So after yeah. the top year, you just you definitely need to reset. I think every human being, every professional needs a reset. We're not robots. We are human beings, right? So there's a lot when you're doing such a stressful job. And when I say stressful in its own way, not a bad way, right? So because it requires a lot of discipline, professionalism, pay attention on details right all these things and you cannot relax right so you cannot be tense you know because the mental uh 
mentally and, and physically it's challenging, right? So off season, once you, you hit the off season, you need to reset. You need to enjoy your life as well. You cannot just uh, pin this is my opinion, right? So you cannot just be about like work, work, work. Yes, hard work is important. Without that, you just cannot enjoy the life. But same time, there are periods throughout the year where, you, okay, so I need to relax. I need to travel. I need to do something different than what whole my year looks like. So, and, you know, we probably heard, and you know, a lot of people heard the word balance, you know, balance your life. And that's, you know, not, it's not different in sports in my career, to be honest. So, you know, off season, yes, I would go on vacation. I would go have a good, amazing time with my friends because guess what? I only had that much time. You know, I didn't want to waste any of those time because then I, you know, in two weeks, I had to be in the gym again. And that clock thing, you know, would start over, right? So, yeah, balance is something very important word, but at the same time, it's very hard to achieve. Going back to your, your earlier answer, you said that you weren't necessarily the best at jumping high. You weren't necessarily the best at running fast. When it comes to looking at getting the balance right between uh, making the most of your strengths or improving your weaknesses, where was your focus? Did you identify where you could improve and focus on that or do you spend your energy on being the best at where you already excelled absolutely <clears throat> because first of all if you think you're the best and you don't have any weaknesses that you failed already that's game over right there so coming in the league especially at such an early age and i was 19 years old when i got drafted and when i signed my first nba contract i had so much to improve right because especially that you know, nobody gave me a chance right away. I remember first 10 games, I didn't play second, you know, so I was dying, I was burning inside because I really wanted to showcase myself and prove that, you know, I belong here and, you know, it was going to be my 10 plus year career, right? So, but without chance, without opportunity, it's so hard, right? Keep you around for a long time because, you know, you have a nice smile or you just have a good personality. This is a business for, you know, both sides. So I was driving for the opportunity and for that, I had to mentally and physically be ready. I remember when I, like, perfect example I want to tell you, <laughs> when I first came in the league back then in the early 2000s, it was like really center oriented league and, you know, teams were built, rosters were built around the centers. You know, so when I say centers, obviously, it's tall people like myself, over two meters, or even over two and ten, because Jaquille O'Neal was dominating the league. So we, there were like, besides Shaq, there was like a lot of amazing, you know, center players. So to stop them, you had to load your roster with the other center. So I was 235 pounds. 235 pounds is you know, over how many kilos, right? And I felt like, you know, this was not enough. I had to get stronger. So I remember committing to myself. Actually, our first time I played against the Shaq, he was playing for Los Angeles Lakers for with Kobe Bryant and they were you know probably the most dominant team in the league then and I remember when I played against the Shaq I was like baby compared to, I'm a pretty big guy like I'm a two meter ten centimeter you know and I'm a pretty tall guy but like you know physically I was not ready so I remember next morning I was being in a weight room lifting weight seven eight you know so and my trainer asked me, I said, what are you doing so early? Practice starts at 11. I said, well, I need to get strong. And you know? so I said, I mean, so can you help? And I ended up finishing my career. I gained 40 pounds. So I finished my career with 275 pounds. And that 40 pounds probably, my body weight was, body fat was like pretty slim for the center. It was only 6%. Therefore, most of the 40 pounds were in muscle weight. You know, I, I definitely got stronger. But, you know, this is an example that, you know, in your question, Yes, you do work on your weaknesses because there's no illusion that I was perfect. I was ready to go. There was a potential. I was a prospect. 
you know, by the game. Like a lot of players, honestly, Andy, when they come in the league, that's when they caught up. They think they got drafted because they are already so good. But they don't realize they're getting drafted because they have potential to be great, right? And that's why to maintain your spot is always more difficult, more challenging than making it. I think that's such an important point that it's so easy to get complacent in whatever field you're in and just to think I've got the best idea. I'm brilliant at this. I excel at that. You know, one win can just be overturned. You look at it in sports, you know, a great win one week can be offset by a defeat the next and business can be exactly the same. You talked about your conversation with your coach when you were looking to put the weight on. Who were the key people that supported you through your career? You know, it, it, obviously, basketball is a team sport. And, and you know, we've interviewed people from both team and individual sports on, on the podcast. How important were the teammates around you as you went through your career? What was the balance between supporting each other on the journey and competing for a place in the side? And how important were the people from outside that core team in helping you to become the best player you could? Yeah, that's that's interesting question because there are a couple of things. Like, first of all, you need to help yourself, right? So you need to be open and say, hey, I need help. You know, and my mentor and guy who I'm looking up to, Marshall Goldsmith, you know, he always says that we all need help. We all need help. There's not one single person. I don't care how successful you are. We all need help. It is okay to say that I need help, right? Because we're not perfect. We all have weaknesses as we talked about it already. And we all have challenges, you know, certain times in our lives and careers. So first of all, to acknowledge that, that hey, and to have a conversation with someone that you think can't help you, that's already a huge win. You know, so that's, I remember the conversation with my trainers, like, hey, I need a help. I need to get strong. And then once the people like coaches or your teammates see that, that you're trying to learn, asking a question to your teammates, hey, like, what do you, what do you do before the game? Just start with a simple question. Nothing even has to do with basketball, right? So what do you do before the game? How you prepare yourself? How many hours you getting trying to sleep, right? So what are you eating? Like what gives you energy? Like because it's, you know, playing over 100 games per season is not easy, especially at the highest level, you know, and plus you're training and plus you're traveling in between. So that shows that there's a young fella and you're trying to learn and trying to get better. And honestly, veterans love it. They love it. They get motivated. They put you under their arm, you know, wing and like, you know, show you around and, you know, mentor you and coach you and help you. And that was a process. And I was so lucky and big to have one of the amazing veteran players and, and teammates. My rookie year, my first year. And, and honestly, most of the teams I played for the first couple of years, that was the case. Like I had a good mentor, good teammate. Juwan Howard, somebody who's definitely one of the best players in the history of basketball. He's coaching right now Michigan basketball team. And there's a reason why he's coaching because like he always had that personality. Like, you know, he was able to coach even when he was playing. Like, he was a good man. Uh, you know, Tracy McGrady was probably Hall of Famer. Grant Hill, another Hall of Famer. So the guys who played in the highest level so was amazing players, but amazing human beings as well. So I was so lucky to have those guys. And then a year later, so second year in the NBA, I was still young, 20 years old. I had my European older brother, Tony Kukoc, you know, who was legend in Europe from Croatia. Played with Michael Jordan when Chicago Bulls won championships with them. So he knew, he understood what it takes, what I needed the most. I will never forget, me and I would go to dinners, you know, on the roads especially because at home he had family. I was single, but he had family and kids, so I didn't want to take the time away from his family because, you know, we travel so much already. So on the roads we would go out to dinner. And in the beginning he was taking the 
keep taking care of the bill, right? He's paying the bill. I said, no, I need, you know, I make money too. Like maybe not as much as you do, but like I can't afford things at the end. So he told me, young fella, you were never going to pay for the wine because he was a huge wine guy. So he would order the most expensive wines, right? And he said, you can take care of the meal, but you're never going to pay for the, for the wine. We would get two separate checks, like one for the meal that I was paying, then the one for the wine. But like I say, like, even like those kind of things, memories is priceless in the end. And I was so lucky to have amazing teammates in my life and my career that I learned a lot of things. I, it certainly does sound like a really positive environment. And it's refreshing to hear you talk about the ability to ask for help and the importance of it in that way. I wrote a book called Just Ask about the importance of doing just that. And one of the people I interviewed for it was a former top level professional footballer in the UK, Leon McKenzie. And he, one of his final clubs was the club I support, Charlton Athletic. And he wasn't in a good place when he played for us. I think he ended his career there. But he was talking about the events that led up to a suicide attempt while he was playing for us. And it was all because he was injured yet again and he couldn't talk to anyone. You know, the manager would walk past the physio's room and say, you're in there again. You might as well just give up. You couldn't talk to the coaching team or the staff because you were worried about losing your place in the side. Teammates didn't understand. Now, that was an era before. I mean, Leon would probably be a, a few years older. So I'm thinking this was probably in the 90s or the early 2000s. So maybe a generation above. Do you think things have generally changed in professional sport? People are talking much more openly in sports on both sides of the Atlantic and around the world about mental health and mental well-being. Do you think that in dressing room, people are more open to say, how are you and mean it and, and be open when they're struggling without worrying about how it might impact their place on the squad? Yeah, you hear more and more athletes coming up and talking about challenges they had. And, you know, you know, a lot of times, to be honest, Andy, like it's shocking. You just don't expect, you know, as a fan, as a friend, as an ex-teammate, current teammate, there's another he doesn't seem like and then suddenly you see this article uh, or you see the you know interview in you know the different shows how difficult times they went through it and you feel bad like you know you feel bad that you were there but you couldn't notice or recognize but you know maybe because there was not enough conversation because like i say i'm not I'm not perfect you know so it's not like you're reading people's minds clearly a lot of times you know we don't pay enough attention so that's why i think conversation to be open and having conversations is important because now I know next time I step in the locker room, opponents are just asking each other, like, not only is, don't talk only about the business. And honestly, I'm adapting this to my life. Like, you know, last night, for a perfect example, last night I had a dinner with a friend of mine, very close friend, and he's one of the successful investors. And, you know, I'm into investment space right now as well. And, and we started just having conversation about his European trip, my trip, my family, his family, and, you know, just the regular things like life things, you know, but I think this is the most important thing. And don't get into like talking about business right away. Uh, I think it's important to balance, like we mentioned the word balance and balance is important in our lives, even in the conversations, in your relationships, anyway, anything you do, anything you associate with, right? So, because this is real, the mental health, the mental challenges is real and, you know, more people dealing with it than we might think. Now, obviously, we already seeing, like I say, the articles, news, especially when you're an athlete, when you're a celebrity, it's easier to spread the word, obviously, but I think more conversations we're going to have around the mental health, the challenges, it's going to help both sides. The people who are dealing with and people who are not necessarily dealing or dealt before and, you know, found a way to live in a happy place and happy life and 
figure out the things. And at least I can't help as a friend, right? As a teammate, as a colleague, as a family member, right? So I can't help with the things that I went through already helped me. I had to kind of share my experience. So that's why I like the conversations with mental health, because this is definitely something to pay attention and worry about. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. When you've had a career as long as, a playing career as long as you did, over a thousand games, it can't all have been smooth, a smooth ride. So what were the major setbacks that you faced in your career and, and how did you deal with those and how did other people help you through that? Yeah, you know what, Andy? I love this question because like, when you look at like longer career you have, when you look at it like 16 year career every stage like beginning semi-middle middle towards the end and then all the way to the end they all had came with its own challenges to be honest and challenges were not the same they were all different like in the beginning coming to this amazing country and, you know it was cultural shock i mean everything was huge the cities the highways even cars like you know coming from europe even cars were like oh my goodness like you don't see this kind of it's like you know, big trucks, American-made trucks. So it was cultural shock. You know, didn't know one single person. Obviously, there was no social media then, and so it's not like I'm gonna find some George Philo George who live here in this city, and like you know, maybe I can go to the house as 19 year old, so they, I can have a homemade food, right? So, and then obviously, you know, in the middle of my career. And then, yeah, in the beginning, it was like, you know, consistency. I need the consistency, especially in Europe. You're almost used to playing 35 games, let's say, per season. And here we are playing three times more, right, over 100 games. So that mental aspect, again, like, you know, staying patient. And towards the end, probably it was, okay, so I feel like I'm getting cold towards the end. So how I can maximize it, right? How I can continue playing and, you know, staying around at the same time, enjoying my life, you know, and, family and one, two, three, four kids, you know, so so many things and businesses, investments. So there are so many things thrown at you, right? So like I say, you know, throughout the 16 years, there were different challenges, but that's why life is so interesting, right? Because if you were living the same life and same challenges and same things every single day, it's just not fun, right? So things change throughout the life. Things, you know, evolve and you got to evolve as well. You got to change. Be better. When I say change, like to be better and pace, I always say that, like, you know, pace of this life, of this world, you know, with the pace it's going to so fast, it's impossible to keep it up, right? We're hearing this, you know, new technologies and ways to get ready, you know, physically, mentally, professionally, right? You know, leadership is different than it used to be 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? So it's so hard to keep up all these things, especially we have so many different outlets and so many researches are done, but you got to do your best and you got to you know, stay on top of the things. So that's why life is so interesting. You definitely come across as someone who embraces challenge and thrives on it and probably gets bored without it. And it was interesting to hear you talk about the cultural shock of going to America because I was interested to read that wasn't the first time you went through that because you moved when you were 14 from Georgia to Turkey because you could access better basketball facilities and play more. And it was just you and your mum. So you, you've had two major times in your life when there's been that huge uprooting and cultural shift. 
How did you deal with that? And is that still playing out in the way you live your life now? Is it still serving you? You know, I'm going to go back to one of the first question you asked. And, you know, my answer was one word called love. When you really love something, when you really want something, any challenge is a sweet challenge, you know? So there's nothing going to stop you, Andy. I wanted to play on this stage, on this high stage called NBA and be part of the family, be part of the journey, you know, the journey. I wanted so much that what could stop me, right? So challenge, yes, bring it on. Like, you know, you think that easy, like to make the 450 players in the world? Absolutely not. But I was there. So I definitely was not going to let it go. And I was going to do anything to stay here as much as possible. I'm so fortunate, you know, to say that I played in this league for 16 years, over a thousand games. And I'm still part of it, not on the court, but off the court. But right now, I'm still part of this family, amazing family, surrounded with amazing people. And life is good. That's fantastic. I want to come on to the last couple of questions will be about what you're doing now. I think that's really important. Away from your administration role, though, you said in, I think it was your first answer, you talked about parents of kids now ask you, you know, they want to know that it's possible to make it when you come from outside the States and you come from that different background. I believe you have your own academy for kids and you do work for, for kids. How important for you is the role of being a role model and how important were role models to you on your journey? I was a kid too, growing up. I had a role model. I remember how they inspired me. I remember what they have done for me in my life. And I was, sometimes I was lucky enough to see them, meet them in person. And even the one word, and I know how one word can change somebody's life and put them in a, in a better situation, make them feel better, motivate and inspire. I know that I was a kid. So I remember that. I remember those moments. I remember when I first met the NBA player, Georgian NBA player. That was the first guy actually who went, came in the NBA and he came to Georgia. It was off season. He came to Georgia. He came to one of the practices that I was playing for a youth national team then. I was younger and uh, he came to the youth national team practice and he called me after the practice. He told me, well, if you continue to work hard, you have a chance. I see the potential. It's, you know, one, two sentences, right? I just sprinted in locker room, like literally. I sprinted in locker room and I sprinted back home. Like, just wanted to share with my parents. And that's what this guy told me, you know? So it meant so much to me, you know? So I remember this moment, Andy. And, you know, of course, like I say, it's a journey, right? So every part of your life brings something different. And once I got, the, you know, that's the 10 year mark in NBA. Now I start, you know, the, your role changes, right? So beside, or at, you know, you add something on your role, responsibilities, right? So now coaches put me in the situation and said, well, we need you. While you're playing, we need you to coach and mentor this young guy. And some of the names, actually, I can mention is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is the superstar, megastar, and one of the best players in today's league and maybe in history, right? He has an amazing story as well. But I remember he came in the league 18, 19, and all. And I remember our owner calling me. I was playing for Milwaukee Bucks. And our owner calling me, saying, call us. I said, well, this is Azar. You know, we have this international player, the Greek player, right? He can be special. He's a special. He can be a very special player. But I think you guys share, you know, challenges coming to this country from different country, different culture. You can help him a lot. I said, well, Sandra, I'm already, I already started working on it, you know? So I spent a good two years with the guy and, you know, I texted him actually the other day. I said, it's amazing. Like, I'm so proud of him and seeing him where he's at right now because I remember 18, 19 years old. It was so difficult for him to be away from his family first time. 
effort, right? So, um, yes, you take the responsibilities and I believe, you know, being a role model, I believe in inspiring and motivating the kids. And to me, that's success. If you're in a situation that you can inspire kids, I think that's one of the tools that you had successful career. And I take a lot of pride in it, to be honest. And every step I make, every decision I make, yeah, I know it's going to be public. I know it's going to be on social media. I know it's going to be in the media, right? I'll always think and say, how this can help the community? How this can help to the, you know, my followers on social media? How this can inspire? Is this a positive news? Because Unfortunately, in today's world, there's so much negativity is happening. And I'm definitely taking the opposite route. I say, how I can bring the positivity to this world with every single action and decision and move and word I say. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I want to continue. I want to stay consistent with it as much as I'm living. There's so much to to enjoy in what you've just shared. You You talked a couple of times about love for the sport and love for what you're doing. And I think that's the root of what you've shared there. Uh, that thoughtfulness about how your actions impact other people, the proactivity in giving back, the reaching out to someone after you've, you know, supported them to say, I've been following your career. All of that comes from that place of a real passion for, for, this, for what you're doing and an understanding of the impact you have. And it takes role modeling to another level, really. So kudos for that. So thank you for sharing that. I want to come off the court now as we come towards the end of our conversation and just look at a couple of things one of the things that really fascinated me about you is we hear about sports people who prepare themselves for a life after sports and maybe study a business degree in some cases and you've talked about some of your business and investment interests during our conversation but you actually studied at some of the most prestigious business schools in the US. You studied at Harvard, at Stanford, at Kellogg School of Management. You've mentioned working with Marshall Goldsmith as well. I mean, American sport tends to be different from the UK, where a lot of people come through the college system anyway. So is that more typical in US sports or is what you did untypical? And if so, what led you down that path? First of all, any learning never stops. You know, I don't care, how, you know, what stage of, you know, you are of your life, if your career, learning never stops. I've seen actually the way all the people than myself still, you know, going to libraries and reading books or I've seen people posting the reading different books or sharing you know, experience and wisdoms. Learning never stops, man. And as, as soon as you think you know everything that I want to mention, I want to repeat it again, game is over, you know, so... I'm a huge believer of that. A couple of things, like one, yes, like, you know, I think today's generation, I think they believe on growth and they, they believe on, you know, going to see so many, you know, Steph Curry is a perfect example, you know, the best player, you know, in the league and changed the game. And he's the best shooter in the history of NBA. Basketball, he just got graduated. I think it was the last year or this year or last year. He just graduated. So he continued. He finished the school. And, you know, it's very hard when you play professional sports, but, like, you find a way to make it happen. You see more and more players, you know, athletes, professional athletes taking different classes. They understand, and it makes me so happy, they understand the importance not to waste time. And some are sort of perfect time, actually, to do, go to school, like, you know, to take, you know, week two, you know, two-week program and stay up to date, you know, and prepare for the retirement because you never know when, you know, the ball going to stop bouncing, you know. Yes, I was lucky 16 years, but I had so many teammates that could have had one, two, three. Average is 4.5 and average career of NBA player. Maybe you don't want to, 
But my good friend and my teammate, Sean Livingston, he, you know, he, I think years two or three, he had an injury. Nine different doctors told him, I said, you're done. Sean, you're done. You're not going to play the sports anymore. And he rehabbed. He tore ACL, MCL, meniscus, same time, same knee. And he, it took years for him to get rehab and surgery, try to come back. There were teams, like several teams say, well, we can't take you. We're not going to take you. Oh, oh, no. And then finally, he got the opportunity, you know, Couple of years later, he got opportunity. Brooklyn Nets signed a four-year contract. He played well, and then Golden State Warriors offered him a three-year deal. That's when he won you know, three championships. So he's a perfect example of. But he came in the league with like future star as a you know young 19, 20 year old kid. But unfortunately, you know, injury almost finished his career, ended his career. So things can happen throughout the life. Something we cannot control. But that's why. You should always have a plan B. You should always, at least as an athlete, you should prepare it. You know, either it's six months later or 16 years later, you should be ready once you exit this game, at least not to be on the ground zero. At least you should be somewhere, right? So, like I say, like, you know, like I had amazing mentors. I had amazing teammates. And this is not, I'm not saying something that I came out with. I definitely listen learn and here we are here i am four years into retirement and from this perspective from this view i agree i agree that you know every athlete should should think about what if the journey ends earlier than you expect or you want to you should always be prepared for the next so, so what are you doing now i mentioned at the very beginning that you're working back at the golden state warriors but on the administration side what does that involve and, and do you still have any involvement with uh, the team as well. I do, uh, you know, I'm proudly and happily, you know, to be part of this amazing franchise where two championships came as a player. And then since I retired, we won last year and I have third championship as executive now. So I'm a bridge between business and basketball departments. Make sure there's a communication. I'm a huge believer of communication, especially when the company is growing. You know, we jumped from 200 employees to more than 500, so more than double. After we moved to the Chase Center, we have our own arena. We operate our own arena. But sports is an interesting base, and it where it's so important. You know, you have different departments. You have ticketing, you have marketing, you have corporate partnerships, you have basketball operations, you have arena operations, the game operations, you name it, community. You know, so you want to make sure, just like you know, just like Olympic. You know, sign like you know, this chain, you know, just connected to each other. So, connection and communication obviously goes hand to hand. It's so important because yes, our main product is those 15 players and basketball team we have. But same time, every other department is so important. You know, such a huge factor of our business and of our journey. So we need to have access to each other's and departments and make sure the communication. It's never, it's never enough, basically. Communication is never enough. I, I always say that we rather over-communicate than under-communicate. You know? So I'm a bridge between business and basketball departments, and also I'm on the board of the investment vehicle we have. It's called Golden State Warriors Ventures. I'm on the board. we looking at the deals. We invest in the company and startups, bringing you know, tons of value for those startups, hopefully, and help them to grow and be successful. So... This is my this is my main job, but at the same time, Andy, again, I, you know, played this game and you know, knowing these guys and you know, being part of the locker room for this amazing ten years and two years with the Warriors, you know, it just sometimes not sometimes all the time you do more than you know whatever your title says, and it just makes me 
happy to be doing different things. And, you know, sometimes I'm having a conversation with some of the players where maybe it's not my job, but like I can use my friendship, you know, experience, you know, friendship status where, you know, I can pull one of the players and say, hey, I know you're going through this, you know, slump where you're not shooting well or your shot's not going in, but like, you know, when I was in your situation, this is what helped me, you know, so I think, why don't you try this, you know, you know, how about let's go for the lunch? Let's talk about business for the young guys. Like, why don't we talk about how the system works? Like, this is something I just learned, actually. So it's been pretty interesting. So let me share with you some of the things that I saw. Like, you know, I think it's important for the players actually to understand the business side, how the business works. And that way they're more productive, they're better with the decision making, you know, during a free agency, even during some of the events they're having. And, um, you know, because, you know, trades are part of it and you know, so many things. Kind of, so NBA is not just play basketball. It's, it's, a, it's a 10 plus billion dollar industry, you know. So a lot of things are happening. A lot of people are part of the journey and, and the process. And a lot of people contributed to bring this game. So amazing that game to the level it is. I love that metaphor of the Olympic rings and everything being connected. You know, I mentioned that the football team I support earlier, Charlton, and um, we had a new coach come in halfway through the last season. And the first thing he did is he saw the first team, the men's first team, the women's first team, the youth team, all sitting at different tables in the club restaurant, the canteen. And the first thing he did, he said, no, everyone sits together. And I think you're taking that to the next level and, and saying everyone's part of the same club, whether you're on the administrative side or whether you're on the playing side. And, and for me, that's the basis of a successful organisation, whether in sports or outside. So, you know, this is the Connected Leadership Podcast, and I think that's a perfect note on which to finish it. That note of connection, that note of feeling, that role you're playing of mentoring the players, not just on their game, but mentoring them on understanding what's happening on the business side as well and creating that connection. So Zaza, thank you so much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. There's so much more I could talk to you about. I'm really, really grateful for you joining us and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Andy. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks for having me. So thank you so much to Zaza for joining me. I took so much from that. You know, I always say we, we have a mixture of different guests on the podcast, some of whom are talking about something specific about connected leadership and building those key relationships and others who have a wider story to tell and we can draw the lessons and I've said this before that's a great example of a dive into a career and a journey where those connections really come out but you know we don't stick just to that one title I think there's a lot of inspiration from Zaza's journey to be taken across the board not just on connection and picking up on something observed earlier that connection between last week's podcast's with Anetta where she talked about deeply caring about what you do and what that brings to you there's answer there about love that he brought up more than once as well so I hope that you've enjoyed this episode please do share it tell people I haven't nagged you for a long time about this so now I'm going back to it share this on social media please review it on Spotify or Apple wherever you listen to it help more people find the Connected Leadership Podcast and most importantly join us again next week for another episode thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast if you found this valuable please subscribe Tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.